This episode was first published on September 20th, 2014. This is episode 37 of Biblically Speaking, a conversational question and answer show with two guys from Millard Community Church in Omaha, Nebraska. If you haven't left us a review in iTunes yet, what are you waiting for? We really appreciate those, and we also appreciate it if you tell your friends. Enjoy the show. So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Peter chapter 2. Got a question for you here. 2 Peter. Yeah. I've been prowling around there not not long ago. Kind of picking up a portion. I know we spoke about uh, one portion in 2 Peter recently. Mm-hmm. But we're going to pick up kind of after that. It's kind of hard to know exactly where to hop in here. But I guess I'll just start in verse 9 and maybe read till the end because it's kind of a sweeping question here. So the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord, but these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way, and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Whew, gotta catch my breath after all that. Yeah, it goes on, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, it really drills down and goes on. Yeah, so the question here kind of is, who are these people? Uh, Saved or not saved? Who's Peter writing to? Who's he warning us about? Warning the reader about themselves? Outsiders? Insiders? Help me understand here, because there's language that, to me that leads towards both. I know we always look for key things when we try to well, find out. Well, okay, but you know, you skipped the portion about as Lot. much as you read. 
could, and you read a lot. Yeah, but I skipped a lot. And it was well, yeah. Is that the but portion? you you skip you missed the context. We could just pick up the context from the first verse. The first verse in the book. No, of the, the chapter. There's a clean break between the first and second chapter. There's a logic break there. So there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. So this is the context is false teachers. Yeah. The whole chapter's context. Of course. Because they have their ways. Okay. Yeah. So that helps. Uh, you know, and, 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 and uh, swift destruction. Well, look, verse 2. Many shall follow their pernicious ways. Verse 3, through covetousness, they will feign words make merchandise of you. Yeah. Yeah. Then it just talks about God's judgment. Right. In terms of the angels that sin, throwing them into Tartaru, Mm -hmm. the abyss. Then the overthrow of the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? It's talking about God's judgment. So, well, God judges. Mm -hmm. You can see that by history. And God knows how to deliver the godly out, Lot. That was the tale mention about Lot, where, you know, just Lot was delivered, right. righteous Lot. Right. And then to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. And now it just goes in verse 10, chiefly. So now we're going to get, you know, specifically. Chiefly them that are this way. And here's how they are. Here's how false teachers are. So that makes a lot of sense. It brings up Balaam, false prophet, right? Exactly. There'll be false teachers among you, as there were false prophets among them. So prophecy is over. You know, it ended around what maybe Silas was a prophet, wasn't he? Sure he was. Mm-hmm. Silas was a prophet, you know, contemporary of Paul, traveling companion of Paul. Of course, Paul was a prophet. Right. Uh, because the apostle was all those things. Right. Prophet, uh, evangelist, teaching shepherd. He was all, all those things. And uh, Silas was a prophet and a teacher. No evidence of a teaching shepherd, probably a single guy, mm. but a prophet and evangelist, most likely, very possibly. It didn't say it, but we had, you know, the prophets. Right. And the law and the prophets were until John, the greatest of the prophets, and those guys. And amongst those guys who lived the kind of lives they did were the false prophets who lived the kind of lives they did. And whose appeal to the people was what it was. Mm-hmm. As compared to the prophets, whose appeal to the people was God's appeal, and therefore to a disobedient people to which they were always sent, a very unappealing appeal. <laughs> <laughs> you look at the way the prophets were taught, and you look at Matthew 5, for example, and the Lord says, you know, if you get treated like a prophet, for, for my name's sake, you know, great is your reward, because right. it's going to be lousy treatment. Now, this section tells us what kind of guys these false teachers are. Mm -hmm. And what kind of guys are they? Nasty guys. (laughs) Well, they want your money, for one thing. You know, they're self-willed, and uh, they are bombastic. Presumptuous. Presumptuous and bombastic. They will speak evil of dignities. They, they, They have, the word here is blaspheme. They'll blaspheme the glories that are present, or the, the weighty things that are present. Nothing more annoying to me. Well, there's more. There's things that are. Okay, one of the annoying things to me is to hear some bozo, you know, start talking tough about, say, what, what do you call it? Smack talking. Michael the archangel didn't use smack. 
He said, the Lord rebuke you. Right. So we have that going on. We have the way they behave, the way they talk. And we have the way they, the way they go after money. They go about their designs, right? They mm-hmm. count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They're deceivers. They know it. Mm-hmm. They know they're deceiving. Their whole lives are manipulation and lies. How do you find these guys? Well, just visit pretty much any church. This guy will give himself a title. Sometimes he'll wear soft raiment. He can be, you know, eyes full of adultery. He's after your wife or somebody's wife in the church. Oftentimes that. All the time that. Beguiles. You know, it's all about trickery and deceit. Unstable. You see, the disobedient believer can go pretty far down down a bad path, uh, even to the point in Hebrews where it says he's nigh unto cursing. Yeah. These guys, not nigh unto cursing, verse 14, cursed children. So a lot of times, and I, I suppose it's your question too. Yeah. Is I this mean, a believer? Can it be? No. This is a dog or a pig? Yeah. Yeah, not a sheep. I mean, the scripture goes out of its way, and I've been in fights with guys about this. I've been in fights with other Bible students about verse 22, okay? It happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Mm-hmm. And uh, some say, well, it's a proverb. It is uh, an analogy, therefore, which is right. It is. Except for this is a true proverb. In other words, this is precise. This is well taught. This is why the proverb says what it does. This is why God made dogs act like that. This is why, you know, God made pigs act a certain way. Mm. He made them act a a certain disgusting ways. He did that on purpose. And he gave them a divided hoof on purpose. So that if we just look at the outside, we just look carelessly. We look carelessly. Looks just like a clean animal. Mm -hmm. Right? If we look carelessly. However, if we do the hard checking, which is to see how they digest, if we look inside the mouth, we'll see whether he's chewing the cud or not. And he's not. So he's unclean. That's the pig. The dog, man's best friend, right? Yeah. Man's best friend. And I love my dog. Man, when I lost my dog, I still miss my dog. Dogs can be very affectionate. You see on Facebook, I've seen a couple of these where the dogs are laying on the tombstone of their owner. It's, you know, very touching. Yeah. Because the dog is man's best friend, except for what happens when things break down with the dog. He'll start running in packs and attack his own owner. Yeah, and lick up his blood. And it's disgusting, but that's the point. A dog is actually disgusting. Hmm. Now, they do disgusting things despite the fact they're your pets. I'm reminded of when we were in Africa, their outlook on dogs was quite different than ours here. They have a weird outlook on They have a let's be mean to the dog so the dog will be mean to somebody else. Yeah, Yeah. it's not healthy. Not healthy. But they're... But they would never let a dog the in their house. The and the pet 
you know, that man's best friend thing just doesn't exist. No, no, pe- well, just a rarely, but you don't let the dog in the house. Yeah. Yeah. No, they have that right and they have the rest wrong. So it says cursed children in verse 14. And yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting on the questions I have here. You know, we have a lot of, we get a lot of help with lot. He's called just lot, right? I don't have any problem with righteous lot because we're in the days of lot and that's the brothers. Right. But then we get down further and it's in like verse 20 when he says, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled there and overcome. I mean, that sounds like someone who's saved. The last end for them is worse than the first. Yeah, but they have knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, is that a cursed child? I think a false teacher needs to have some of that. So is that like getting into the... The Christian pithy. It's hard to take, you know, some of these things are... versus heart knowledge? I was was thinking about this on the way over today to record because, as I told you, you know, the subject of Judas came up and, you know, we don't know that much about people, actually, the people that we know even. We, We know the things about ourselves. Our spirit knows the things about ourselves. Right. These guys know about themselves. These guys read this passage they know you only know i mean when i say they know they have an answer for that that fully they'll never read that passage again because it just outed them on the inside when they read it Mm. you read that you go i hope that'll never be me lord to me that's how i read it right oh lord never let that be me well the Lord never will let that be you. Good. Maybe I have a my own unique reaction to that. Maybe you don't read that that way. But uh, when I see that, I thought, ooh, wow, worse than the beginning. That was pretty lousy, huh? That portion, I definitely think that. I think leading up to that, I don't, I don't see myself in these in these categories, you know, in these descriptions. I think this is somebody else. But then when I see the end is latter ends worse than the beginning, then I think. Hmm, that That could be me. Yeah. Yeah. But the guy that it is, he didn't think that could be me. He knows that's him. We we know what the Scripture teaches us. It doesn't talk that much about the insides of others. It doesn't. This is a remarkable verse in its description. Mm Mm-hmm. Of, of what well actually it's a it's a very it's a very remarkable section in its thorough description of actually somebody else yeah when you read it now the scriptures are not generally written about somebody else they're not they're they're mostly written about you right, right? so your normal momentum going into passages like this or any passage is to apply it right to yourself immediately and, you know, and see what answers back. Maturity leads to proper division. And as you know, Second Peter requires, I mean, it's deep. Yeah. It's deep doctrine. I, uh, Peter's saying, you know, that the Apostle Paul's scripture, some things difficult to be understood. Well, yeah, you too, Peter. You too. Yeah. Now, that being said, you're coming off of verse 9 to come into verse 10 for a reason. I mean, you should pay more attention to verse 9 
when you come into this whole section and realize that you're not just saved by the power of God, not merely. You are kept also by the power of God. And and I think one of the things that we do know about, for example, is what we know a little bit about what's going to happen to the guy who's not saved. But what we don't see in life is what happens to the person not also not kept, because the unsaved are also not kept. Sure. And so we see a certain behavior. Now, why is Peter writing this to us? Peter's writing this epistle so that believers who would not otherwise even know would be able to spot a false teacher. It's a warning. It's a, yeah. a now, admonition. Now, a, a true teacher of God, a true teacher of God, will be able pretty easily to spot a false teacher. That's not the problem. See, the problem with false teachers isn't a true teacher spotting him. Mm-hmm. It's the people following him. It's that the people will follow him. Those are different uh, matters. Let me talk about it from the point of view of a teacher. You spot a false teacher. For you, it's pretty easy. You go like, look at that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's all about money. He's all about sex. He's feeding off the people. He's lying to them all the time. And you go, wow, that's spottable. Because sometimes... You're armed with the scriptures. You're armed with these detailed descriptions. You listen to what these guys say, and you go, yeah, my false teacher radar is going off, right? This guy's flashing red and blue, easily spotted. Well, by you. But you see that this guy is on the inside. You can see by his behavior, he's on the inside. Well, let me ask you this. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking again about these verses 18 through 20 as we as we talk here. It seems like possibly there's a context switch from the false teacher to those that he is misleading. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the they flesh. They do allure. Yes. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So these are those that are allured. Those that were clean escaped. And then it says, well, they promised them liberty. So there's two them, right? There's they. You're saying it could be a separate they in verse 20? Yeah, because in verse 19, there's definitely two they's, right? They well, I would, say, I would say that maybe would get some play if it wasn't for verse 22. Because the dog and the pig. The dog and the pig. I mean, I, you know, those are the, that's the conclusion at the end, right? A lot of times it's good to go take the, the conclusion, which is given. And carry that back through what has gone before. Mm. Definitely this passage requires some meditation so that you read it, you let it play on your mind, you find out how the various lines are terminated. But let me say that, first of all, these guys are many. They are many. <laughs> they, are ma- they are the majority, and they are in the inside. And they are the, in the day of Lot, in the day of Christian departure that we're in. Mm. They're the majority, by far, the majority. I mean, false teachers in churches, I'm talking about in churches, and everything that calls itself a church. Okay, so that leaves out the Masonic Hall, the lodges. What else does it leave out? Not much. Everything else calls itself a church. I mean, even Scientology calls itself a church. Ridiculous as that is. I mean, the Mormons call themselves a church. 
So, yeah. The I don't think that Jehovah's Witnesses do call them who knows what they call themselves. Technically, I think Mormons call themselves a stake, but I always think of, you know, a wooden stake through a vampire's through heart. heart. Yeah. But they got their own weird deal. And But let's just talk about... Christian churches. Christian churches. Churches that call themselves Christians. Churches that other people call Christian. Churches that the world recognizes as Christian. All that. The overwhelming majority are these guys today. So there's another group, though, right? There's the false teachers, and then there's like... The teacher who's not false but shouldn't be teaching, or uh, well, like the bad the, the fake teacher, the like, you know the sincere Christian, the guy inqu- unqualified teacher, yeah, unqualified, yeah. I think those are probably also in a lot of pulpits that. Oh yeah, well, but those I separate, but those I won't call even the great majority. Okay, they're okay. there. Though we'll, we'll just say you mean those brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are those brothers there that are unqualified. Do they fall into this kind of behavior? I, I know who you're talking about. I've had dealings with many of who you're talking about. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at any of these behaviors on the small, you can see yourself there and say, man, I I have that tendency. I, yeah. I don't yeah you like should that. be able to see every tendency of that because it's the lust of the flesh, right, right. which we have. Right. But not in some sort of characteristic, this yeah. this is the pattern of your life. Not And life. not not intentionally deceiving the people. The worst thing a teacher could possibly do is instead of intentionally teach... Mm-hmm. intentionally deceive, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy who's not a good student and who's just teaching wrong. Yeah. He's not intentionally deceiving. The one, or like, you know, uh, he had his hands laid on quickly, right? Thrust into a position that he shouldn't have taken, and now he's teaching. But yeah, he's in the snare of the devil. Yeah, but not necessarily, like, doesn't fall into this. Not this category. Because he's the brother in the snare. So let me, He's a sheep. Okay, let me let me take your conclusion that these are these cursed children are unbelieving false teachers who are dogs and, and pigs. Is that and my they, conclusion, or is that yours too? Well, I'm trying. Our I'm, cursed I'm, children. I'm open to be convinced. Okay. I don't have an alternate conclusion. That's why it's a question in my mind. Still, I've all I've often wondered about these here and. Yep. They have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. So if they have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, 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 don't substitute words here. What? For them uh, not to have known the way of righteousness. Yes. For if they have escaped the pollution of the worlds through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right. What words did I swap in? Well, uh, they've escaped the pollutions of the world. Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. So I said they have the knowledge of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. And they, they know the way of righteousness. They know the way of righteousness, yes. And, and, we, and we know that we can't actually confirm salvation through works. We've talked about that in great detail. But I, I can actually amplify your arguments if you'd like. Feel free. For, for example, those who would include the saved in this, right, uh, point out, and it's true, in verse 17, because oftentimes those who of us who believe that these are not saved people, mm-hmm. just like we don't believe terrors are saved people. I'm with you on that one for sure. Well, how does a terror behave? Like a saved person? Yeah, except for... But this isn't their behavior. This poison. is their knowledge. My point is, is that 
you know, what do we have that with the heart man believes and with the mouth he professes, right? Confesses unto salvation. So all we have is our words. For for me, you know, so knowing you, about you, you're going to say that knowledge me. and faith are the same here, because we know we're saved by grace through faith. Yeah. So you can detach belief from knowledge. But it, I mean, it, okay, I was going to argue the other side, but here I'm back on this side. Yeah, sorry. It I does not say faith. No. Okay. So, Clearly. importantly, what it doesn't say. Knowledge and... Uh, now, th- those who also hold with me will hold for wrong reasons. They'll say, look at verse 17. These people are going to hell. There are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Mm-hmm. Well, we know there's darkness that's not the lake of fire. Right. So, there's oh. one of your arguments. Also, I mean, in verse 13, they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. We know that... The reward of unrighteousness is not the lake of fire. Dramatic pause. Un, the reward of unrighteousness like is not the their, lake of fire? Not necessarily. It's like saying... Not that, necessarily the lake yeah. of fire. Yeah. Okay, that's true. It could be, but not necessarily. Not necessarily, yeah. It's not a linchpin. Right, I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. Okay. And uh, Paris in their own corruption, you could say, well, you know, uh, if you sow to the corruptible, you're going to reap corruption. So there are these good... Solid features. I think cursed children is the best one on the other side. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that cursed children and sow and dog are the strong points. Okay. And don't underestimate that sow and dog. See, I know. Maybe I do. Maybe you do. Okay. Yeah, we are the sheep. And this is contrasting the shepherd, by the way, from the goat as well. I mean, in other words contrasting the shepherd from the evil shepherd, the, the one who protects you from the one who eats you. This is uh, not called a wolf, but these are like the ravening wolves that rise up in your midst that the Ephesians were warned about. The apostles took the elders of Ephesus aside and warned them and us once for all that inside your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things, right? getting a following after themselves. They're in, inside, they are ravening wolves. So in that sense, well, the ravening wolves come from the outside, right? And then the inside... Well, no, they, inside themselves, oh, they are themselves. ravening wolves. Okay. Yeah, you see? Yeah, so there I struggle with inside versus outside, because I look at it as inside as believers, but inside could be, like, in proximity. Well, like here we're looking at all these outsides, except for that, you know, pointedly, the insides are told. Cursed children. Mm-hmm. Dog. Sow. You're talking inside-outside as far as the outside is what you see in a man and the inside is what's what inside him. Mm-hmm. I think what Paul's talking about in Ephesus, isn't he talking about outsiders outside of the church coming in and then insiders inside Also the from your own... Yeah, outside they'll come in, inside they'll rise up. Yeah. Yeah, they come both ways. Right. But what I'm talking about outside-inside here is I'm talking about outside what you see... Inside what they are. Okay. Yeah. Because if you, I say, if you're a shepherd, if you're one of God's shepherds, you see this. You see these guys. But have the eyes of a sheep Mm -hmm. instead of a shepherd, right? They don't. If they saw it, this guy wouldn't get away with it. But he gets away with it all the time. He's the majority, he's the ordinary case. This is what you should suspect. I mean, I walk into a church, I expect to meet this guy. 
Hmm. He's going to be absoloming the Lord Jesus out in front of the building, shaking hands, looking good, complimenting all the ladies, got his eye on your one eye on your wallet, the other on your wife's purse, the third eye on your wife or himself. That's this guy. And he's there. Okay. Today, not only that, we call everything that church, church. Now they're looking at your little boys, too. And they go about in their soft clothing and in their deceitful ways. And every meeting of the believers is another opportunity for them to sport, deceive, and take your money and your and indulge themselves in their lust. And you're saying these are a majority out there. That's a majority out there. You move yeah. in small circles if you don't think so. Maybe I do. Majority of pastors, Christian churches, Christian churches are so-called. Un- are I don't call them all Christian teachers. churches. Don't get me wrong. I'm including the Roman Catholics, for example. I, I I intentionally call that an organization and not a church. You know, I live in a Catholic city. You got to tell the truth. You know, you got to you got to club them over the head with it. You know, because God's got people in there that. He's calling out, hmm. like me or you. You go visit those things. I could name other Christian denominations, right? I mean, now I accede to the public view that you know. Let me just say, let's take the Jewish view of Christianity. Let's just say we're Jews and we're looking out there at what churches are. Of course, the big ones, the Roman Catholics. You know, that's the big one. Mm-hmm. And then they got these Lutherans that I've heard of. And there's some others I don't know about, but they include Methodists and and they and they lump all that and they just go, well, that's Christian. You know, they're different flavors. We we have different flavors of Judaism. That's just different lineups of different bunches of doctrine or whatever. They call it all Christian, though. Yeah. And for the majority, you got these guys. That's who they meet. So if we're talking about, for example, the Gospel of the Jew first, right? What are you up against? Well, you're up against this guy in funny clothes getting the highest seats if you ever try to, you know, mm-hmm. among the among the Jews as guests, if you're ever trying to mix in and say, well, hey, you know what, you guys are on the wrong path. I've been for 2,000 years or more. Actually, what I like to tell Jews, you guys have never been right, so, like, what makes you think you're right now? To which they'll almost always go, true. <laughs> Or you could say to the Jews, for example, you're your own worst enemy. Of course you associate with the wrong people. True, we're, the, our own, we're always our own worst enemy. So let me say that, you know, that, look, that, that, that Second Peter chapter, the whole, the whole book, but Second Peter chapter 2 is to guide thousands of years of faithful believers mm-hmm. through what is a horrible departure from the word of God and the Lord Jesus. And you come across a chapter like this and you go, well, we never should because look, it's just laid out what these guys do. How would anybody ever, I'm sure maybe the first century when they read this, they go, well, how would anybody ever buy into that? Right. And now here we are at the other end going, everybody's bought into this. Yeah. Through, through ignorance. Of the, the of this Peter. of these yeah. yeah exactly well let's end on Balaam because Ooh. tough question with Balaam I mean the example given here here's a guy that spoke to God 
right? Well, I mean, he actually gave he was a prophet. real prophecy. The prophecies yeah. of Balaam are, are wonderful in many ways. Right. Every way. So. But God also made an ass talk, so. <laughs> right. So can we discern Balaam's spiritual state because of his uh, prophecy and... Well, let's really, let's, you know, let's not look at, let's look at what we're told to look at okay. here. What, what, what did Balaam do? He ran after the wages of unrighteousness. What was that? Wages of unrighteousness. What are those? Money. That money. Not- he sold God's people out for money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what these guys do. What do we call those guys, by the way, besides this? Call them hirelings, right? Yeah. They're there for the money, right? When trouble comes, gone. They're just there for the money. Mm-hmm. So that's what the heir of Balaam was to Run sell them. out God's people, right? Actually, to actually sell them out, to actually advise others how to destroy them, to participate in their destruction for money. That's what Balaam did. He participated in the destruction of the nation of Israel for money. Yeah. Successfully, too, right? Successfully. And that's ultimately, consummately what these guys do. 